Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Hot D, the House of the Dragon. My name's Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're back to do another Hot D preview. Uh, Aaron, I think this is the fourth preview we've done so far. Uh, and it, it looks like if the show keeps going the way it's going, we might do a hundred of these. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's... There's a lot of uh, speculation and news and stuff about uh, release dates and all that. We don't have anything official yet, but we're we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a little bit of just the tiniest bit of casting news. That should be kind of fun. Um, and then I, I want to tell people about a Twitter account that I found really cool. Uh, okay. and, and I know you also have some stuff prepped over there. You did you did some actual reading to prep for this one. Yeah, I, I, I went to because I, I saw. Uh, you know, when we we're we we're looking at the this hot D episode, I'm like, oh man, we are in some content doldrums. I do not, I do not envy my brothers and sisters at WinterIsComing.net that have to come up with daily posts of things to talk about because, um, yeah. they're wrapping up filming. Uh, we have no uh, actual trailer, not not an actual you know two minute long trailer. Uh, we don't have a a, a start date. Um, there's not a lot of super exciting casting news and, you know, that the, if you want to ooh and ah over leaked photos and stuff like that, that's one thing. But so I'm like, boy, this is going to be a dry one. Uh, I'm going to have to consort to the original material. So I went and I read and it's one of those things where it's like, I first thought it's like, okay, these are going to be the top five things Aaron's looking for in season one of, of house of the dragon. And then I started when I was writing down, I'm like, oh, this is going to turn a lot of people off because most people don't want spoilers. Imagine oh, yeah. if like I, you know, there's like there's some epic fucking moments in this uh, fire and blood novel. Some of them are full page illustrations of this crazy dragon shit that might happen at the climax of season one. But how happy would you be if, you know, we were doing a putative Game of Thrones uh, hype cast before it came out? And it's like top five things. Era. No, at number one, the beheading of Ned Stark. <laughs> Woo boy. When audience, you'd be pissed, right? So like oh, yeah. I'm 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 confining my comments to what I think is going to be happening in the establishing moments of house of the dragon. Like we are going to come into the story and quickly be made to appreciate things like the fact that King Viserys dies to kind of kick things off. Like that's stuff that everyone yeah. kind of knows. Uh, just like same way. Like if you said John Aaron dies in see in the, mm-hmm. the first episode of game of Thrones, that's not really a spoiler. Uh, yeah. So that those are kind of things I, I dug through the first 20 pages and I want to talk about some thematic stuff and um, some character-based stuff and some some basic conflicts that they're going to be setting up um, for us to enjoy in the uh, hopefully in the, in the first season. All right. Uh, well, where do you want to start? 
You want to start with some? I think we should. News? We should start like the absolutely nothing spoiler. Just this is just casting news and and yeah. gossip stuff. Let's start there. All right, we start with uh, casting for uh, Ellen Baratheon has apparently been cast. Now this is not official. This has not come from HBO uh, or the production in any way, but it was found on her Spotlight page. I don't know if you're familiar with Spotlight, but Spotlight seems to be. It, it just sort it's of a movie profile. about Catholic priests molesting kids, right? No, no, it's not about okay. that. At least I hope not, because because Laura Lake is has been cast and she has a spotlight profile page. Uh, so I think it's just like you know a place for actors to put their headshots and their qualifications and ah, their I work see. history and all that stuff. Um, and I was I was checking her stuff out because I was not familiar with the name Laura Lake, but apparently she's been in she she is a serial televisionist she she has been in a lot of single episodes of a lot of different shows you might have heard of like i don't know pennyworth bridgerton britannia you remember that show with um the governor from walking dead david morrissey Uh uh-huh that that i guess has three seasons it's kind of still going it's on epics uh yeah and she was in an episode of that she's been everybody knows has heard of bridgerton right yeah. Like romantic historical fiction stuff. I don't know. Um, so she's been cast as Ellen Baratheon, who is one of four daughters, I think, of Boros Baratheon. Um, out there in what is it, Storm's End? Is that, yeah. is that the name of their castle? Uh huh. Um, and she's she's one. These four daughters collectively, I guess, are known as the Four Storms. But. When I heard that name, I was like, okay, cool. That sounds pretty badass. That sounds like she's going to be a pretty big player in this thing. And then I read a little bit further, and apparently she's got like a thing to do with the beginning of the series, probably, and a thing to do uh-huh. with the end, maybe. And that's kind of it. I was I was underwhelmed by like her I role was the same in all way, of this. You hear the force because like I I've read Fire and Blood like uh, it was something I did before season eight. You know, Anthony and I were uh, were promoting our Gods of Thrones books, and we were uh, putatively going through this and reading it closely for hints uh, about the the final disposition of of season eight of Game of Thrones, which is a, turned out to be a huge waste of time because <laughs> the double D's just did as far as I can tell whatever the fuck they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't really care to pay off a lot of twists and turns that we were anticipating, but um, but but yeah, when 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 uh, I read that, I'm like, oh, the four because there's a bunch of color. I mean, this thing is filled of of colorful colorful people like you know Boros uh, Baratheon and Cregan Stark, and I hear the four the four storms like, well, that sounds almost like a fucking X Men team, you mm-hmm. know, like one of yeah. them can call forth light one. But yeah, I started reading the backstory and I'm like, oh, this is this is a lot more Sand Snake where the name sounds badass. The reality is, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> like it's essentially some kind of dowry. I was going to say some, her some, job some, is some, to be betrothed. Some, I, yeah, it's a I bunch of marriage know. horse trading kind of stuff, um, which, it's which could be like, interesting, is, you know, but yeah. Yeah, this is kind of like uh, finding out the casting of Marcella Baratheon in se- season one of Game of Thrones. Sure. Like, yeah, it's a major character, but in the season one, she's just going to be a little girl behind Cersei and, you know, maybe she could be BFFs with Sans in another world, but... Um, right. Um, yeah. It seems like she's 
Lorelike is a little bit older than, you know, Marcella would be. She plays, I guess, 21 to 26 somewhere. I, I looked through her, her uh, spotlight page and, and I was kind of encouraged by what I saw because, like, A, she's British. So, you know, the accent is required. So I guess she'll nail that. Uh, she's got a lot of sports under her, her belt here um, in which she's highly skilled, like archery, boxing, horse riding. That seems pretty necessary huh. for this show. Martial arts, weaponry, the... medieval sword yeah. fighting. Eh, All right. Probably won't be shooting a lot of handguns or shotguns. Um, <laughs> swimming, sword fighting. Oh. No, Boros Baratheon is a famous inventor of Westeros. He essentially <laughs> uh, invents the blunderbuss. Uh, yeah, to, the wildfire yeah. blunderbuss. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah <laughs> shoots vials of wildfire. Um. She also has some uh, precision driving experience, which probably won't be necessary either. I want to see her back up a a six horse carriage? Yeah, yeah. In traffic, do a do a do a one of those Rockford file turns with it. Pull the emergency brake. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because uh, one of the points I'm going to make in in my segment is uh, George Martin clearly giving people adapting this work a lot of room to play around with with this cast of characters and the you know historical uh, train of events. Um, so I wonder, like, if they like, it does seem like she's got quite the blank canvas to paint the character onto because she can mm-hmm. do so many cool things. So I could see, I don't know, maybe they'll action her up and give her, there's tons of like hints and, and also the, the main account where they talk about like so many innumerable side struggles when you have this cataclysmic um, realm shattering fight between the Targaryen, the ruling Targaryens up top, like everybody's kind of scrambling for their piece and they're, they're this and that. And uh, I think it, it, it might be interesting to kind of, uh, more flesh out some of these side characters who are just betrothal bait in in the main you know uh historical sequence yeah um no i i I do hope there's something good in there like i said i I don't really know her as an actor i haven't seen any of her work but uh seems like she's prepped to go in there and really hit the ground running she could totally be betrothed she's overqualified (laughs) sure most people are betrothal (laughs) most people are Uh, all right. I mean, we, we, that's pretty much all the casting news I have, um, that's even speculated at this point. Yeah. Check out the previous three. If you want to know the big, the big stuff and and what we think about it, how it fit in, uh, we're down to the next will be the milkmaids. The 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 only other thing that I like gleaned from my readings here is uh, there's been this, this Twitter account, um, whose name is at house the dragons uh which has been it's a spanish twitter account that's been posting a lot of behind the scenes stuff like shots inside of some of the castles over there shots of exteriors where they're filming and there was there was a really cool thing uh that they posted the other day which i was excited about as like a tech nerd they have created dragon fire simulators um which is basically just this like think of like a giant led panel that hangs above the set it's it's enormous it like runs down a city street essentially Uh and and they have like the leds timed to fire off as if a as if a ball of fire was going through the sky and so it can light everything it's 
It's a lot like, you know, what Disney's doing with the volume, except this is a lot simpler. I was about to say, it's like vo- it's like a single-purpose volume. It just <laughs> right, simulates right. fireballs. Which, which says something about what they're doing, right? Like, we're going to have so much fucking fire in this show that we need to build Dude. some special dedicated systems to handle it, to speed up the, yeah. the post-production. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's the thing that gets your jaws kind of... Uh, uh slavering dripping saliva yeah what that means um is when you read the descriptions uh because it very early on in, in the account of the how uh, the dance of the dragons and fire and blood uh one of the characters uh, prince damon gives a like a rundown of the disposition of the dragon fleets nice and it's like you know like we've got more they've got more or we've got more but oh man they've got the biggest baddest one and like they've got and i'll be talking about that but like yeah the thing about this that is a kind of like a high risk, high reward is it gets it. There's no hiding the dragons and magic in the show. It's not like Game of Thrones where, yeah, you got yeah. some creepy ice zombies up front, but then you forget like you are completely last thing you're like everybody else in Westeros. Last thing you're thinking about is the fucking ice dragons and they hit you with Danny's magical, you know, survival of the fire and the birth of the dragons. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's like, you know, whole you are not going to be eased into this. They have jumbo jet style dragons in both on in, in, in both hangers of their Targaryen forces. So like, yeah, they're going to be dragon dragons early and often. So they need to have economical and safe ways to put these CGI guys and CGI fire and still realistically. That's, that's a really cool idea. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It probably speeds up post-production, which is something we probably ought to talk about. Cause you know, thing is starting to get, Push back further and further. I I know um the official fan convention was postponed. Pro- probably it was postponed once from January to February, and then I think it might be canceled indefinitely. Or it's postponed indefinitely. Postponed indefinitely. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they. You know, they're they're probably keeping an eye on these Omicron numbers. Um, for sure. But but yeah, that was like widely speculated that there was going to be a major uh, trailer release. Mm-hmm. Um, but I gotta say that like. I went into researching this update confident that we like, like kind of nervous that like we might get like a late April release. Yeah. But very confident that we'd get a June release. And as I did research and looking at the film, like the fact that they're still wrapping up filming. Yeah. And there's a lot of outlets like Esquire and variety that are now starting to allude to a late 2022 or back or second half so like i mm-hmm. don't know man we might be looking at a fall or even winter release on this depending on how the post-production yeah. goes it would be interesting to see this going head-to-head with the rings of power right lord of the rings stuff that amazon is doing in september i mean that's just stupid right if you if you hear like someone's <laughs> yeah. got a blink you can't you can't run you can't run lord of the rings back to back with hot d i don't know man disney's doing it with all their shit, you know, they got a you Marvel show and a Hot Marvel D versus movie. Loader? And... Is that even going to work? <laughs> I don't know. I think got fantasy fans would be in heaven. Trying like... to move, trying to move a Loader Hot D. Does anyone want to watch two and a half hours of dragon shit each week? I don't know. Yeah, a lot of people probably do. I don't know about a hundred million of them, but enough of them. Uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Because like, you know, that only has eight episodes or whatever, right? So that could run through October and then Hot D could drop. Yeah, they might be able to miss each other. Um, yeah. Or Hot D can come out early. We'll we'll see. They might be competing. Also, it's like they. I don't know. Maybe they were. There's. They're, they want to do a Highlander thing. They want to do a show off to see. You know. 
yeah. which, which fan base is, is more resilient. Who knows? I think that would be crazy to run. Yeah. You know, the pro, to be like running Invincible and the boys at the same time, which would be super insane because that's that's all Amazon. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think you would want to miss some of the, you know, like don't run Picard against the, the Expanse. It's, it's more common sense stuff like that. Sure. Um, but the other thing is like, you know, co- like there's been, I think two COVID delays already. Yeah. Um, and I think things are, if I'm reading between the lines, things are a little bit more restrict, uh, strict than the restrictions, the filming restrictions in the UK, which is where they're filming a lot of this stuff. So you got to get done the filming before you can get to post-production. And, you know, um, I, I know from talking to a lot of creative types that the post-production stuff can be just as affected by slowdowns and just people being out sick as anything else. So. I no longer think we're going to get this in the spring or even late summer of uh, 2022, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I doubt they give us a trailer uh, release. I was going to say, I doubt they give us a release date even in that trailer. I bet we get trailer one without a release date or with a like late 2022. Um, so you think they're going to have, cause we've gotten the teaser. Uh-huh. You think they'll go teaser trailer one trailer? Cause I thought they might do, so. just, just do full trailer and maybe, uh, maybe. I don't know. The pattern I've seen from shows lately has been teaser, maybe even a couple teasers, and then trailer one, trailer two, then release. Yeah, I gotta see. If I'm, I'm, uh, if, if we're getting a trailer one, trailer two, trailer one's gotta have something like fall 2022, exactly. Yeah, or winter 2022, like a general time. Like, yeah, you can't just be like 2022 <laughs> in in the first trailer, right? What if it's uh, 2023? Oh fuck? my god! <laughs> well, it certainly changed uh, our allocation of time, and uh, so yeah, because we, we're that's the thing. Like I was just talking to another, or we were talking shop with somebody uh, over the weekend, and we were mm-hmm. commiserating over the fact that, like, other than Lord of the Rings, which are we sure that that the September time is like like you know like I think that's, that's so far away, date. it feels like something that's made to slip, right? Right, like, right. The, I have zero information over anything that I'm excited to come back. Uh, you know, I don't know when Hot D's happening. I don't know when uh, Better Call Saul's coming back. I don't know when the you know the the next season of Boys is dropping. I don't know when For All Mankind. Like everything yeah. is still up in the air. It's like what the hell? Yeah, we'll see how it goes. The, the valve studios it's done when it's done philosophy i guess i like it um yeah i guess it just makes our lives hell to try to like you know plan vacations and uh advertising and all that kind of stuff sure all right well i think that's it for casting and basic uh news and updates where we're at uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with uh what we'll call highlights from the early goings of house of the dragon Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Okay, Jim, as I alluded to, I cracked open my copy of Fire and, and uh, Blood, and I read about uh, 50 pages uh, with a highlighter, and I'll probably be talking about the first 10 to 15 pages or so, uh, which just, accompan- uh, just, uh, accom- just it's covered a first two or three days of um, 
the time period known as the Dance of the Dragons, or it kind of kicks off the, the immediate uh, aftermath of King Viserys dying. And there's a lot of things because, like, the first time I read this, like I said, I was just kind of I was trying to read through uh, and find hints of things that would be interesting to talk about in terms of like prophet prophetic fulfillment or um you know essentially trying to find uh interesting things to talk about about game of thrones now i was just looking at the narrative and i just a couple things i i immediately struck me is number one the the amount of room like the first page or two of this account is it feels like george martin giving everyone every possible excuse to ignore or riff on or change the history that he's about to lay down hmm. um, because he says things like, you know, they'll there. He, he has different sources like there's Septon. There's a Septon Eustace, who is this kind of like staid conservative fellow that offers a particular account. And then there's this fool mushroom, this dwarf um, uh, a jester t- character that usually has like a l- extremely lurid, bloody or uh sexified take and then there's also um this grand maester munkin that 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 compiled this uh the dance of dragons a true telling and he's kind of like what i think comes closest to like the authoritative voice in this historical account but if you but then you look at the paragraph where he's talking about how much he likes grand maester munkin uh, they then have this caveat though munkin's exhaustive history was not written until a generation later so you already have like no kind of firsthand accounts and drew on many different sorts of materials, including Maester's Chronicles, memoirs, Stewart's records, interviews with over 147 <laughs> surviving witnesses, Jeez. blah, blah, blah. There's all this kind of like equivocating over whether you're getting the true story or not. And yeah. sometimes you'll get three or four different versions of a scene. Okay. And I think it'll be really fun to like. Early on, I'm going to be looking as a, a game uh, as a George Martin fan of like which way the show seems to be leading. Are they leading more? Uh, I, I don't want to call this like Septon Eustace, like the fucking nerd, uh, the virtuous nerd. Or are they going to lean mushroom, which is the, you know, uh, ex- extremely inappropriate uh, dwarf character? Um, I'm, get, I'm getting a real like epistles uh, kind of vibe to this. Like the, the you know, the the. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the, the whole section of the Bible yeah. that deals with like the death of Jesus. Um, yeah, I am getting that vibe from this whole thing. Yeah, there's 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 different flavors of, of what you can consider canon in this. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah, like the different levels of canon. There's also a lot of because like a lot of times like, you know, this is a pretty straightforward account because it reads like an encyclopedia or, or a history book. Um, but one of those that tries to cite different sources and be like, well, it could be this. It could be this, but it's probably this. Um, they talk about like, cause this is like a realm shattering event, you know, um, you've got the ruling clan that just a hundred years ago took over and, and, and united these seven kingdoms hasn't actually, I don't think been fully united yet. I don't, I don't think they've brought, uh, they've managed to bring Dorn into the fold yet. Um, so it's all a very new thing and they're having a civil war. The only way these people had to control us was their fucking dragons. We kind of secretly hate them. And now they're having a civil war. Um, Fire and Blood points out that amidst the chaos and carnage brought on by the rivalry, other would-be kings would state claims as well, strutting about like mummers on a stage for a fortnight or a moon's turn only to fall as swiftly as they had arisen. I think that's interesting because it's like it's 
it leaves room for tons and tons of intrigue that yeah. it's not just the two, you know, the greens and the blacks, the, you know, the supporters of uh, Queen uh, Alicent Hightower uh, versus uh, uh, Princess uh, Rhaenyra. Um, it's it's all this stuff in the in the middle. Um, they also say in the next paragraph, uh, this was a war marked by stealth, murder, betrayal as well. <laughs> a war fought in shadows and stairwells, council chambers and castle yards with knives and lies and poison. Mm, latrines and, like, to and me, outhouses. Hmm? Right. To me, this is Martin <laughs> looking right at the reader and be like, I know this is called Dance of Dragons about the Targaryens at their height fighting tooth and nail to dragons. But there's also all that good Game of Thrones shit in there, too. Yeah, totally. You're still going to have your Master of Whispers, and you're still going to have your Spies and your Skullduggery and all that kind of stuff. Good, because that's um, what I come to these shows for, honestly. And it starts off early. Like, in his account of King Viserys dying, you know, he talks about, like, the body was discovered in the hour of the bat, in the middle of the night, mm. uh, when it was the king's custom to take a, kip of, a cup of Hippocras. Which is sounds like Martin's timey, you know, kind of like, you know, whatever, some kind of physician drink. Um, okay. But like the dwarf mushroom comes in here and says uh, that he thinks Queen Ale- Alicent hurried King Viserys on his way with a pinch of poison in his Hippocras cup. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's noted that King Mushroom wasn't actually at King's Landing; he was at uh, Dragonstone with the rival queen, uh, Princess Rhaenyra. So it's kind of like. Not only mm. was he not there and maybe he's prone to making shit up, but also he's got a vested interest in the other side right. because he was working for him. Um, but I'm wondering, like, you know, is, is this the, I, I've always thought of like this being the John Aaron event. And yeah. similarly, there was a question about did he die of natural causes? Was he poisoned? You know, there's kind of a mystery. I wonder if there, we're going to see like this kind of mystery being explored in real time uh, in the books. But again, uh, this is this stuff that just happens like right right off the bat. Um, the other interesting thing is um, something that me and Anthony talked about is like, who does Martin think is the good guys and the bad guys? Right? Like, yeah. does he try to keep uh, like a straight down the middle? Like, you know, is he on the side of the blacks or the greens in this fight? And I gotta say, as I'm reading this, it seems like he's solidly on Team Black. Like almost all the accounts say that the, you know, the princess Rhaenyra is the rightful claim and like the high towers are kind of uh, up. They're they're like very ambitious and they do a lot of dastardly things like, for example, and I think naturally you're sympathetic. So you got the princess Rhaenyra. She is on Dragonstone in the middle of childbirth. She's got six children. This is her seventh and it's a difficult childbirth. She's been in labor for three days. Her father dies early in this process. And everyone closes ranks around it. Like the queen has all of his manservants thrown into the black tower, the, uh, the, the black cells because she doesn't want this getting out. And she calls the high, the, the high council together and she eliminates anyone that like is not on board with putting her firstborn son on the throne and denying princess Rhaenyra her claim. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this political, but like, this is all like parallel to Princess Rhaenyra fighting for her life in in trying to to give birth to her, her, her child. So I feel like naturally you're more sympathetic to her. Um, I would think so. Is there a reason like why she doesn't want that information getting out? Well, because she's trying to steal the throne. So like, yeah, but how would that? Twenty four years, twenty four years before this, 
um Viserys why he still had you know his queen uh and uh, there's this there's this question about uh, I, uh you know which of his children should be the one that's going to succeed him you know do you go sure you know can it follow the fe- the female line does it have to follow the male uh, and he decreed that like I want my my daughter to sit the throne uh-huh but the book makes a point out that like a lot of the lords that swore those oaths were like children or teenagers and a lot of them that were kind of like would be to support him this 24 years like they're those men are dead or old and they don't have so like mm-hmm. Otto uh, Hightower who's the hand of the king and his daughter that's the queen sees this unique opportunity to like essentially steal the kingdom back from the Targaryens sure you know like or at least like our good like Andal Targaryen children will sit on the throne um so I think that's what the, the 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 and so she doesn't want this getting out because if they did the proper procedures of just ringing the bells and sending out the crows, uh, the queen the the princesses people could get prepared for taking over the throne. So she's got like a several day okay, head start, and there's wants, like yeah, the element of yeah, and there's like these really grody details where time is tracked by how much the king's body is stinking uh, in his quarters. Yeah. Like it's like because like they're like the sisters of silence and the septons have not have been there to clean his body or anything. He's just festering and it's like, mm. you know, the, the the body can be smell smelled in the king's chambers. The body can be the all of all of Magor's fast is now stinking. And the it's like there's like uh. this clock of of this putrefying corpse that's happening, which I'm I'm pretty sure will be a plot point. I would hope um, so. But yeah, and there's like um I, so I'm excited about that. There's also some drama about like which of the king's council is going to support this obvious takeover of the throne. Yeah. Uh, and you got like, you know, war between the younger ambitious people who see it a, a chance to advance versus the old guard who remembered their vows. Um, you've got some treachery. Uh, there's a really cool account where um, there's two king's guard that are guarding the princess in their childbirth. And there's the other five, including the Lord commander that are going to support the, the, the uh, queen Allison. And there's a story of one of those five defecting in the first day and stealing the king. So like the, the queen wanted to have this complete victory where before princess Rhaenyra even knows what the hell's going on. She has got all of the King's landing united behind her son, King Aegon, the second rule. Uh, she's got the official crown on, on the, her head on his head she's got the high septum coming in to give him the blessing and like it's essentially accomplished like everything's done mm-hmm. uh before the the team black even has a chance to tie up their sneakers and there's all this series of things that go wrong like one of the king's guard defects and now it's queen uh Rhaenyras that has the official crown on her head and she's looking <laughs> more official the high septum who's old got sick and he can't travel from old town so like a lot of these like big plan coordinate, like just got nipped in the bud because of circumstance. Um, hmm. And I think that's uh, going to be cool too. There's also this, like um, like the first person that dies on the King's council for not going on. There's like three different proposed deaths. Like um, he got put in the black cells and essentially starved to death. The Lord commander slitting his throat as soon as he spoke. And then the Lord commander throwing him out the highest tower window. <laughs> and it's like, again, hmm. are we going to Septon? Eustace's depiction, or are we going to roll with mushroom on this one? I was going to say that first one with the poison seems like it could be something that's debated, whereas that one seems like you're going to see yeah. what one point of view is absolutely true. Yeah. 
Um, there's also just like fascinating, like, like, um, debates about like, who do we think will support us? And this is where, again, I think, um, team green is coded for evil because a lot of like the Lannister allies, you know, uh, kind of line up behind them. You know, a lot of the people in, um, uh, uh, high garden and, uh, those types are, are backing them. But then you look at the list of the allies of, uh, the team, team black, uh, princess Rhaenyra's. It's, you know, the Starks in Winterfell. There's this badass named Cregan that's ruling up there. Um, the Manderleys of uh, 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 White Harbor, another, you know, famous Stark bannerman. And then they mentioned that, like, um, House Aaron is kind of up in the air. They seem to be always the wild card, but they're worried because the current ruler of the Eyrie is a woman. And the Greens are worried that she's not going to support them because if they support essentially overthrowing the female succession, Mm -hmm. then that will mean that she could lose her position in the Erie, too. So she's going to, for purely political purposes, back the Queen uh, Princess Rhaenyra's because she wants women to be able to hear it, you know? Sure. Um, That's kind of a cool, uh, I think, a political angle that they they do. the other cool thing is I think is going to be meeting the dragons because you've got, like I said, the, this, this Prince uh, Damon uh, gives this kind of rundown of all the dragon fleets that the, the greens and blacks have. And the greens only have four dragons, hmm. but, um, okay. but their um, but their biggest one is Ve- this, this Vagar, which is like the second largest dragon that the original, you know, the Prince uh, uh, or the, the, the King Aegon brought over from, uh, old Valeria, like these are like the original drag. There's a one, only one of them left, and it's just this big, like jumbo jet style dragon. But all their other dragons are kind of young, and their dragon riders are inexperienced. Mm-hmm. Whereas Team Black, you know, who has their primary, um, has has Dragonstone. That's where all the dragons kind of hang out. That are not like the personal, you know, rides of the kings and whatnot. And they have a lot more of them. Um, so they have like, and they have like eight to 10 dragon riders, which is another limiting factor. Cause if you got dragons, but no one to ride them, which is a, uh, it, it, it seems like it's partially through the like Targaryen blood. They, you know, kind of like that. You have to have like, not everyone can ride a dragon. You have to have a particular either yeah. genetic disposition or affinity. Cause they give these kids, these eggs at birth, you know, like they put them in their crib and the, it's, it's kind of like the, the eggs hatch and like they bind to this. And like, it's usually kind of like, you know, uh, during a, a a person's life, you will only ride the one dragon, you know? Um, so what happens with the thing, dragons that outlive their riders? They can get, so, well, it depends because like dragons get old, like as they get older and crankier, they're less and less likely to tolerate some new person like, uh, okay. Valerian, the black dread. He was the big di- dragon, the Aegon, mm-hmm. uh, rode like in his later years, he just preferred to like sleep in the dragon pit and like if you tried to rouse him it was your ass and there's like one like great granddaughter of Aegon that for whatever reason Valerian kind of like tolerated her riding him and there's like a whole fucking disaster about that that story uh, ends up with and I'm almost wondering like how much will they be tempted to go back and tell some of these like great Targaryen stories like will we have some flashbacks of the days of Aegon and and whatnot Hmm. Um, so yeah like the the older and crankier a dragon gets, the the harder it is to kind of bend them to your will. Um, whereas if they're younger and you know you the the dragon rider dies, you can replace them with another dragon rider. Um, but they talk about so they talk about like okay, we've got these eight dragons and dragon riders, and we got these other three dragons that are in reserve. They haven't like the silver wing that hasn't been ridden since my granddaddy, but like he'd probably take him. And then they talk about 
Behind the mountain dwelled three wild dragons, never claimed nor ridden by any man, living or dead. The mm. small folk had named them Sheep Stealer, Grey Ghost, and the Cannibal. Oh, boy. And if I were to tell you that each one of these dragons has a pretty epic story of their breaking <laughs> um, in, in this tome, uh, I would not be telling a lie. And I'm very curious to see how, because that's the other thing is like when the, if these dragons were ever to be used, it implies a certain level of desperation on the fact that the Targaryens, mm, like right. they've, they've done lost all their best dragon bets and they're down to sheep stealer and the cannibal <laughs> uh, that have never been ridden before. And who uh, the fuck do they get to ride these? How do you, how, how do you, how do you determine who is a dragon rider and who is not in a given populace? Um, yeah. Do you conscript them and just throw them on the back and see what sticks? Uh, <laughs> you just there's measure old, their old, their medieval chlorian account uh yeah tour tour it's so simple because it turns out there's a <laughs> lot of uh just just hard medieval dragon science that has to be learned oh, uh, in the terms of this the other thing that's really interesting is like so martin i think is firmly is behind team black but he offers a situation where like by the time team black realizes that king is dead and they need to go into action uh Queen uh, Alicent and her father, Otto Hightower, have essentially put King's Landing under their iron grip, mm-hmm. and they've gotten more than half the realm to kind of already bend the knee. And the blacks get this terms offered, and they, they said that the terms were uh, that King offered was, was generous, you know, like essentially confirming, like, you get to keep Dragonstone, all of your sons will be given great holdings and lands and prime places. You just don't get the rule no more. And the queen has to sit there and like, you know, is it worth making the the realm bleed for this? And I think the one time that Martin's a little judgy is like, I think a better person would have been like, you know what? Fuck it. Uh, these Andals have always not like, you know, they're they're This is their way of kind of breaking and tempering us. And maybe, but she there, she just cannot, con- you know, consonants this affront to the Targaryen lineage and her particular promise that was made to her by her father and she's a very and sure. the whole realm is going to burn and, and bleed they, they, they lead this account off with uh, the maester who's telling the story uh, they said that you know he calls the, the, the dance of dragons a very fanciful name for something that would be more apt to be called the dying of the dragons because mm-hmm. the Targaryens never recover from this like this kills yeah. the majority yeah. of their dragons their dragon riders it starts the spiral of their decline, which leads a hundred years. Well, no, 200 years later to Robert's rebellion, putting them out uh, for good. Yeah. Um, but the final thing I want to talk about, and this is thing that I think we've talked about in previous previews, the fact that there is, um, the sir, uh, car Cargill's, or maybe it's Cargyle. Uh, there's two twins, Eric, uh, Arik and Eric. Sure. Not confusing in any way. But they set these up. These are like the anti or bizarro hound in the mountain. Okay. These are brothers that love each other very much. And they've been inseparable their whole life. And they both pledge service to the king. And now they are divided because one thinks that King Aegon has a better claim. And one thinks Princess uh, Rhaenyras. And there's this... um, they, they allude to it. They don't talk about it, but they said uh, long after the dance was done, the singer Lucian of Tarth would compose a sad ballad called Farewell, My Brother that still sung today. And it outlines the final night that the brothers before they withdraw as enemies, like like try to spend it like convincing each other of which one is right. 
And then when they realized they couldn't, they, they, they pledged their love to each other and like kissed each other goodbye and knew that the next time they met, it was going to be as mortal enemies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really good tale. And I'd like to, who they've cast. I'm, I think this is going to be one of the key uh, points of interest. Um, because these are guys that like, they don't really have anything to gain or benefit or lose, uh, because they're, they don't, can't hold lands and titles. This is purely a matter of honor and it's dividing this particular family. Like it is the realm. I think it's going to be one of the standout, uh, stories to look forward to. Sure. That sounds good to me. And I think I got to stop there because like I said, I think this is all plausible episode one, two stuff. Anything else would be, uh, to be more spoilery. And I guess if if we have another update uh, where we don't have a ton of like actual update update, I don't think that'll be the case because, in fact, we might we talked about doing an emergency one, like regardless of where Anthony is in his season, if they drop another trailer for Hot D, we're going to be on there to talk about it. Yeah, um, should. but if we have another slow point, I might go in like because there's tons and tons of information about like what was Otto Hightower like? How did he become into the service of King Viserys? Um you know, what is his daughter like? What was Princess Rhaenyra's like before? You know, like who, what, what were her good qualities? You know, what, why did her, her father invest her in, into the queenship when she was so young? And how have things changed in the last 24 years? Stuff that's kind of like set up that it does seem like they're going to get into because they've cast young versions of like all these different, mm-hmm. you know, queens and princesses so they can have like flashbacks to show how these you know, relationships evolved and eroded over the years. Uh, but I think that stuff would be some, some good fodder to kind of the, the dovetail into. Cause yeah, I can't, I mean, I could tell you, I could tell you what's probably going to happen in the first season, but right. do, you, do you really no. want me to? No, of course you not. Know? So, uh, anyway, I'm starting the process of, of boning back up on my Westerosi history. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a long and arduous process because this is all, this was all, 200 year history back when you know game of thrones was was a thing so yeah and i mean you didn't need a lot of this uh background for game of thrones and i imagine you know you're not going to need a ton of setup for this new series either i, I think oh, no. they'll tell you everything you need appetite. to know and you already have so many of the concepts right like i know what a targaryen is i know sure a lot about dragons and dragon riding and stuff like a lot of the heavy lifting the game of thrones had to do uh, later in its um run, it has been set up for this show, in a weird way. And there's also kind of like I think something if you if you do like the dragon action, um, it reminds me of uh George Lucas. One of his pitches for the prequels is you you never, when it comes to lightsaber combat, you only saw uh uh, uh someone that's crippled mm-hmm. and lost half of their body function, yeah, because they're machine now an old man and an untrained boy fight. Yeah. Like you're now going to see Jedi at the height of their powers. The same thing about the Targaryens. Like Danny mm-hmm. literally learned how to swing her, her leg over like two months before the main dragon action began. Jon Snow didn't even have that. Mm-hmm. You're now going to see like people who are skilled at flying are practiced and have bonded with the dragons their entire lives. Uh, get up to some crazy ass dragon combat and I think I mean it's one of those things where it, it could like it's like uh, if I told you you're going to watch a movie about a giant robot punching a giant monster like there's cool ways you can do that sure. and there's dumb ways you can do that I, I hope that we get the cool version I, I'm because, hoping yeah, it's like all that stuff could be silly I, I want it to be like a really good you know Top Gun style jet combat movie right like dog fighting yeah I, I 
those kinds of movies can really get me going and i understand like the tactics they're employing and stuff it's not just you know they're flying at each other they're shooting fire and they're veering off it's like no they're they're trying to gain an advantage through positioning and stuff and that's the kind of stuff i want to see with dragons there's lots of like you know night flying and storm flying and uh yeah, I think I, I think done well, you'll get that. And that's also like the climax of bat. Like, you know, these are also like the air war, you know, it's like it's not going to win the campaign, but like you have to do it before, you know, right. you can't you can't start. You can't invade a castle while there's still dragons in the air. Right. Sure. Um. So there's also like the, they're, they're like the exclamation points on big pivotal battles already. So I think there'll be it's like imagine if like imagine if like the battle of the Blackwater, you know, uh like its climax was dra- a dra- instead of the 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 wildfires literal dragons strafing castles and stuff it'd be that much more exciting right sure so like i think the, the the potential of these battles um to be bigger and better is going to be awesome but also this book again portents a lot of backdoor meet you know yeah. negotiation and skullduggery and treachery and spycraft and intelligence and poisons and it's not all going to be the dragons, uh, but mm-hmm. they're going to be a lot of dragons. All right. Well, I'm in for all that. I'm excited about all. Yeah. That. Uh, we'll be back um, in like two, two months or so for another hot the update and less to trailer drops in which we will come to talk about our impressions about that. Uh, if there's, you know, and, and as soon as we get information on when this thing is actually going to land, mm-hmm. uh, whether the hot D is going to go head to head against the loader, we're going to have to see. <laughs> Uh, but uh, 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 thanks for checking in with the House of the Dragon with us. Uh, we're going to flip the keys back to Anthony, and uh, we hope to see you back real soon. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later. <laughs> <laughs>